0: Today was Taco Tuesday. You don't have to sneak that one in. Today is Wacky Wednesday, Hump Day, whatever you want to call it. Or simply put, it's just Wednesday. If you can't tell, I'm excited because it is nice outside. And we are going to continue breaking down our winners and losers on the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals after the 2023 NFL Draft. We did the offense yesterday. So today's the defense's turn. Welcome to another post-draft edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Giddy, and glad to be here with you today. And before we get into it, folks, just a reminder, make sure you sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. If you want to get all things Strictly Bengals content, go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter to sign up. It's free. It's in your inbox every morning, and you get all the insights, updates, and reporting from me. Mike and Andrew again go to cleveland.com slash newspapers so yesterday we had a really nice discussion guys on uh, breaking down who won on the offensive side of the ball post draft who didn't win so really no different today we're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball and I guess before I kind of say who I think is the biggest winner here um, and there's multiple winners in this case but who would you say is the biggest winner uh, for the Bengals defense after the draft
1: Mike, you go first. I think I went first yesterday when we kicked this off with Joe Mixon. So I had the layup yesterday. You take this one.
2: (laughs) Uh, In terms of the biggest winner, uh, yeah, I guess DJ Reader, just because they didn't draft um, a defensive tackle uh, to, you know, to sort of develop. And I don't think they have a guy, um, you know, on this line that really could replace him. Um, so, you know, maybe he gets a short-term contract extension after this year, uh, he's playing on the last year of his deal. Um, obviously he's a big piece of this team, a big piece of this defense. Um, and so, uh, I mean, pretty straightforward in terms of, um, you know, we thought they could have added, uh, you know, they added an ad rusher, uh, thought they could have gone interior instead, you know, you know, change up, um, things. And, you know, I, I think that would have been plausible in those first three rounds, but obviously they didn't. And, you know, he can he's going to be the leader of this defense uh, this year and, and, you know, could be here for the short-term future. At least, I think that would make sense for them to uh, extend him for a little bit, especially if he plays at a high level this year.
1: Yeah. My, my answer is kind of similar. Um, You know, I think, I think you could say the same argument, but for BJ Hill, Um, you know, you, you look at kind of what DJ reader gave you last year. He, I mean, he was pretty stout in the middle. Uh, You really felt his absence when he, uh, when he went out in week three against the jets, so, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, I mean, you you have DJ who's in the middle playing really well. We kind of talked about Mozzie Smith being an option for them, you know, at 28 or if you want to move back or whatever. And, you know, I think if if Mozzie would have been the pick, let's just say, or if they had gone Brian Brzee, that's not DJ Reader, That's BJ Hill that's kind of getting bumped out of the rotation or at least kind of having to share more snaps. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think that BJ Hill kind of emerges from this a winner. Um, you know, you're, you're in a position where the front four, I mean, I know they added a defensive end, but at least to start the year, the front four is exactly the same. Uh, I don't think that we really anticipated Hubbard or Hendrickson being kind of boxed out, you know, even with a Miles Murphy pick. I don't think we would think that now. And uh, I, I just think that if there was a defensive tackle pick, um it, you know, DJ Reader wasn't really going to be kind of on the outs. It was going to be BJ Hill. And yeah, you can talk about the future, but uh, you know, I think BJ Hill's job or at least his playing time was kind of a little bit in jeopardy for 2023. So I think, uh, you know, them not adding an interior guy really, really helps him.
0: So Mike, do you, do you agree with Andrew? Do you think that, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned DJ Reader, Mike, or I'm sorry, Andrew says, uh bj hill i mean do you think bj hill really is a winner like do you think a, a defensive tackle pick would have affected him as much as dj reader
2: well i i think um you know bj hill has one year after this on his deal he does so um you know and the dead cap money on him is 3.3 3 million a little higher than they'd probably like to, to sort of part ways with him. so just in the short term i just think that um, he wasn't as sort of much jeopardy in, in terms of, you know, future wise, uh, DJ readers obviously has a contract, uh, up after the season. So that's why I kind of, uh, went the route that I did. I think BJ Hill will be here next year, um, uh, just based on, on his, uh, on his contract. I mean, they didn't cut anybody this year really for, for cap savings. And so, uh, 3.3 sounds like too steep of a hill to climb. Um, uh, so that's why I didn't list him as a reader.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, um, much like you guys, uh, especially with Mike's pick, I was just going to say DJ Reader. I think that is the biggest one out of the other ones, which we'll get to be. I think with him, I mean, he's in a contract year. He's nearing the age of 30. And, you know, the Bengals, like we've mentioned, other than like quarterbacks, obviously, they don't really like to extend guys past their 30s, with some exceptions, such as A.J. Green, for example, who aren't quarterbacks. But even then, he left the team at the age of 33, so they don't like to go too far with guys in their 30s. So does it mean they move on from him? Uh, Not necessarily. But you could argue, since they didn't get somebody in the draft, do they maybe entertain a short-term extension? Absolutely. It's very much possible, Uh, especially if he stays healthy next year, you know, after he missed seven games last year with a knee injury. He stays healthy. He puts up the same numbers as last year, if not better. There's a strong case for that, especially if they can make it work with the post-Jobro cap savings, as I like to call it. But I think another winner, or I guess you could say winners out of this, too, are... Josh Tupo and more specifically Zach Carter. I was wondering if they were going to get a defensive tackle to maybe compliment Carter or kind of have him compete for that backup spot behind DJ and uh, DJ and BJ. I love saying that behind DJ and BJ, but you know, as much as Zach Carter did well against run defense last year, much like the rest of the defensive line, he needs to be better as a pass rusher. Clearly they see a lot of potential in him. Do you guys think that Zach Carter got a win from this draft as well by them not picking a tackle?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you could kind of make that case, but, um, yeah, I I think that when you look at the, the front four, it's a lot of, it's a lot of bodies there. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys there that, you know, are feeling a little bit more pressure, which we'll get into later. But, um, you know, I think that if you didn't have a guy come on the interior, I think that that matters. So, um, yeah, I think you could make that case. I don't know if he's kind of up there in the same ballpark as Reader and Hill, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could. Um, I think you could make a case that he's a, maybe not a, a winner, but it, he's in a better spot, like a slightly better spot. It's kind of a a very, very, very modest win.
2: Yeah, yeah. In terms of Carter, I mean, what he was drafted what, third was round. The third round. He so, was. I mean, they were going to give him some more time, so I I don't know how much of a win. When that
0: was for him yeah i mean obviously like you said he's still very young and and in his defense you know he was thrown into the fray with those seven games i mentioned that dj reader missed and again like his strength was in the run game uh they were impressed with that i think but like obviously the pass rush has to get better just as a whole for everyone um but you know andrew or no, i'm sorry not andrew mike i'm getting you guys mixed up today mike you were saying earlier that you know the possibility of picking a d-tackle in the first three rounds, should have been entertained. I mean, do, do you think, even with Miles Murphy not taking away from that pick, like, do you think rather than maybe a DJ Turner or a Jordan Battle, it would have been just as safe, if not safer, to get a defensive tackle? Like, do you think they might have missed out on somebody this year that could have been used for depth behind DJ and DJ?
2: No, my point was is I thought there was a scenario where instead of going Miles Murphy, they went with an interior guy instead. I think, um, you know, Murphy was the pick just because of where – Uh, him sliding at 28 made him obvious. I didn't think that this interior class, um, you know, uh, I think DJ reader talked about how there was no true, you know, there was four or five guys that were really true nose tackles that kind of do what he did. And um, you know, one of them was Jalen Carter, obviously Uh, Smith was the other, but, um, you know, it, it just, it just didn't line up for them like that. But I, I, my point was more that um, if they had gone an alternate route, I don't think anybody would have questioned that just because I, I, you know, I thought, you know, pe- people talked about how defensive tackle, um, you know, behind those starters too, was very similar. They just decided to go on the edge, which I, which I was fine with because Murphy was kind at of the best value at 28.
0: I know we talked a little bit about this on Thursday when, you know, the pick was in and we did our post-draft podcast, but let's assume Murphy's off the board by that point but you still have Brian Brzee who obviously went the pick after New Orleans would it have made sense to pick Brian Brzee with that pick or should they have entertained somebody like a Michael Mayer if you know it's really between him and Brzee at that point what like Uh assuming like assuming let's say Miles Murphy was off the board like he's not there at 28 he's gone so it's really gonna come down to Brian Brzee and Michael Mayer who was obviously still on the board like would you still pick Brzee and you know focus on the defensive line or do you think oh at that point it's not worth it you got dj reader just go get someone like michael Mayer and get the best tight end on the board
2: i don't think they i mean they passed up mayor i don't know that and they passed up for you know I, I don't know these what if scenarios you know that they just drafted it so yeah i, I think it was that you know they wanted murphy uh he slipped to them and that was pretty good value i mean I think what if after the draft five minutes, I mean, you know, know, if Murphy doesn't work out, I think there's, you know, you obviously start to kick yourself, but at this (laughs) point, I think they're happy with what, how everything unfolded.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I think, you know, and this is obviously a what if scenario, but like if that was the case where Murphy goes to pick before, however many picks before, I think you can't go wrong with Brazil. I mean, As much as D. Reader makes the point of, yeah, there weren't that many true, like, you know, pass rushers in the interior, he's still in a contract here. You don't know what's going to happen with B.J. Hill after next year with the cap hit that Mike mentioned. And you don't know if, who knows, maybe Zach Carter doesn't give him that juice in the pass rush they want. And then maybe at that point, you can kind of take a, you know, a deep breath and say, well, we got Brian Brzee, so we're good. But that's all what ifs. Um, I could be completely wrong in saying that. As far as other winners go, I, I don't even know if this is like fair to say, and this might be kind of silly, but obviously, you know, we're thinking, Oh, they're not going to get a safety, but they got a safety. Maybe the same logic, the same logic applies to linebacker. It's like, Oh, they don't need a linebacker, but they get a linebacker. The fact that they didn't get a linebacker, is that a win for Logan Wilson and the rest of the linebackers, not named Jermaine Pratt, who are all going into contract years.
1: Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the team the team extended Jermaine Pratt. Um and yeah, you, you kind of knew that those guys were going into contract years, but I I'm not sure that I, I'm just not sure the upside there with Logan Wilson. Um, you know, I think that um in, in terms of like what the pick would have been, because obviously when you talk about this team and their contract negotiations, Uh, Burrow and Higgins are are probably at the top of that list, Um, you know, not just because of their talent level, but also kind of because of the positions that they play. So, I mean, I guess you could make the case that if they pick like a second round linebacker or something, but I don't know. I think that um, it's kind of hard to say that he's a winner there just because I didn't really expect them to invest heavily in a linebacker, you know, and even if you draft a linebacker, that's I mean, hell, that's probably what the you know the mid rounds, the later rounds. I'm not sure that's threatening a Logan Wilson. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that's fair.
2: Yeah, I agree with what Andrew said. I I didn't really see that as a scenario. Linebacker's already undervalued. You've got Jermaine Pratt locked up. I didn't really see a scenario where they were going to draft one. I didn't, I don't, uh, especially at the first three rounds. So I don't think that's a necessarily any reflection, you know, or impact on on Logan.
0: I was surprised to see how far Ivan pace fell. I, you know, obviously there were projections that had him in the third round, fourth round, he goes undrafted. I think he signed uh, an undrafted free agent contract with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So hopefully that works out for him. Cool guy. I got to talk to at the combine, but I was wondering though, maybe once they got to the seventh round, if they were going to go with him, if they're going to go with some of those other linebackers that were available for special teams. Um, Obviously they didn't. They went with DJ Ivy who, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit in the second half of this podcast. But, yeah, I mean, really, I, I think beyond those defensive linemen, I guess those are your only real winners on defense. I mean, do you are there anybody that we're, we're not thinking of right now? Or do you think those are just your main winners is the D linemen that didn't have to worry about competition? I think that just about covers it as far as winners go yeah. for the defense, right? Yeah, I
1: don't – I'm not I, – I, I, we'll get into kind of – you know, I I guess we'll get into the to the losers of this later and, and guy, but I think that there's a lot of guys who, you know, their place stayed pretty much the same. So I, I don't, you know, like with Logan Wilson, I'm not sure that, you know, it's fair to say that, you know, oh, you know, his stat, you know, he's doing like he's doing way better than he was because they didn't draft a linebacker. Like I think you could make the case that like Akeem Davis Gaither was a loser from free agency where they I mean they brought back Jermaine Pratt and Akeem Davis Gaither was kind of in in a you know in that mix to see way more reps than he did a year ago, so I I don't know if the draft really impacted anything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I and honestly, I think like I'm with you guys on the linebacker spot. I just think I'm I'm just trying to think like is there any like winner out of this that like we're not thinking of? And no, I think that just about covers it. So. If there's not that many winners, how many losers are there? Well, stay tuned because we're going to break down all of that plus some more scenarios for the Bengals in training camp when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Before we get into the losers of the uh, Bengals defense post-NFL draft, and again, I say losers lightly, not seriously. It feels weird saying that. Same thing with the offense yesterday. But before we get into that, uh, we talked about the Strictly Stripes newsletter earlier I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service. It's fun. It's awesome. It's worth the $4.99 a month that you pay to get into it. But you get a two-week free trial to start. A free trial? But for what exactly? Well, it's just everything I said. You get to talk to us, me, Mike, and Andrew. We text you, the fan. We give you everything you need to know before Twitter, before the web, before we even get on this podcast. Better yet, speaking of the podcast, we make you guys a part of the podcast. We answer your questions, and we toss questions to you guys that you can answer after the fact. So go to cleveland.com slash bangles and click on the blue banner at the top of the page to sign up and be a part of the best Bengals discussion out there. So we mentioned the winners for the Bengals defense for the post-NFL draft depth chart. I think there's a lengthy list of losers to go through. Um, and there's quite a few names I want to get to, but before I even go through the list, who would you all say was the biggest loser uh, after this draft for the Bengals defense?
1: Um, Yeah, I think there's a couple options, uh, but The more that I think about it, you know, the more I think that uh, that Nick Scott might be in a little bit more trouble than than we think. Um, You know, you're you're talking about a guy who he came over from Los Angeles. Everybody kind of thought that, okay, well, now you have your two safeties. He's your Von Bell replacement. You know, it's going to be Dax Hill and Nick Scott and everything kind of seemed hunky dory there. Um, Then the team goes and drafts Jordan Battle in the third round. And, you know, while. Nick Scott is a veteran. He's going into his fifth year. He's been around the block. He's played in big games. You know, you can kind of list all of that. Uh, You don't draft a third round pick for, you know, for the sole sake of, oh, well, he's going to be a special teams guy. And that's it. Like, you know, I think when the Bengals talked about him, they were obviously very excited about him um, and Jordan battle. That is, Uh, you know, they're obviously very excited about bringing him in. And they kind of mentioned that yeah, well, special teams is immediately where he's gonna play and he's immediately gonna be a, a factor there for us. But I, I think that you know you don't have a much of a financial investment in Nick Scott. Uh, you don't have a, you know, a terribly large draft investment in Jordan Battle. I think that that's kind of a sneaky camp battle because everybody had just kind of written that position off and said, OK, well, there's your two starters. And, you know, there you go. And that's going to be the that's going to be the 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 duo at the back end for the Bengals. Now, I think that there's a bit of a battle. there, so no pun intended. So <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, I think that Jordan Battle and Nick Scott are going to be in a, uh, you know, in kind of a, a competition and training camp. And um, I, I just didn't see that one coming. I don't think a lot of people did. So I think it's fair to call Nick Scott a a loser of the draft.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have a hard time seeing him start basically two rookies back there. Um, uh, you know, I think you'd take a lot of lumps in that secondary uh, without any experience. Dax Hill kind of admittedly said, Um, You know, he basically didn't really learn that position all that much last year, Uh, was bouncing around at other spots, you know, free safety I'm talking about. So you're starting two rookies, um, you know, I I don't know, maybe midway through the year they could make that transition, but um, obviously it amps up the pressure a little bit, but I I mean, I I don't think he expected to come in and just kind of get handed the job. Um, So, you know, I'm not sure how much. Uh, we'll see, you know, I, I think it's possible, but like I said, this defense, um, you know, they need to play at a high level right from the start. And I think it'd be hard to have it all kind of rookie secondary, you know, safe safety tandem in the secondary. Uh, for me, it was uh, Chido B. Just with DJ Turner. They're obviously kind of planning another succession plan. Uh, he's coming back from that ACL um, and obviously another guy facing a kind of a contract situation so you know they're certainly i think preparing for a uh you know starting corners that would be turner and cam taylor brett uh feels like you know they did that kind of with dax hill last year and jesse bates um that would be my you know guy that they're clearly to use such a high pick obviously uh they expect him to sort of i think be the guy here in, in you know another year or two
0: so I do agree with Andrew that Nick Scott is a loser because he is going to have Jordan Battle breathing down his neck. Where I disagree, though, is saying that it's the biggest battle. I, I'm actually with Mike. Like, that's literally what I was going to say, Mike, is I think jadopia Uzi was the biggest loser from this draft. I mean, you know, they draft DJ Turn in the second round. They draft Dax Hill in the first round last year. There's a lot of parallels there. And how ironic, they both played for Michigan. So, I mean, it's only a matter of time before you have an all, not all, but like... Very pro Wolverines defensive backfield, you know, in Cincinnati very soon because, you know, let's say Jadobi does come back from that ACL injury and hopefully he comes back better than ever. Well, if he does and he plays really well and he's going to want to ask for a bigger deal next year. It's going to be tough because, you know, I think this team knows with the Joe Burrow contract extension era coming, with a potential T. Higgins extension coming, same with Jamar Chase, like, it's going to be really hard to keep all those defenders, and again, Awuzie is 28, he'll be 29 next year, like like I mentioned, he's going to be closer to 30, same thing with Von Bell, he's going to be 30 next year, he didn't get an extension, the offer I think was similar, I mean, what he could have gotten was similar to what he's making in Carolina, but. H probably came down to it with the guaranteed money. So I think, yeah, DJ Turner is going to be the future. It's going to be him and Cam Taylor Britt. Just a matter of time, you know, once we get through next season. I guess another – I don't know if he's the biggest loser because, I guess, like I said, I think it's really Awuzie, but I think another loser from this draft was definitely – Well, I think it's two guys, but I'm going to start with this one, and I think it's Trey Hendrickson. I think with the Miles Murphy pick, you know, it's not going to impact how much Hendrickson plays next year. He's still going to start. But, like, I kind of mentioned this with Tyler Boyd with the Charlie Jones pick. Let's assume Trey Hendrickson's production keeps leveling off, which it really has the last two years, and then Miles Murphy, no matter how many snaps they give him, whether it be third down or they mix him in, he does well enough where it's like, you know what? Miles Murphy's good. Miles Murphy's young. Trey Hendrickson is about to turn 30 and he is expensive. Let's cut him loose. I think there's going to be some pressure on Hendrickson at that point because he's got two years left on his deal. Um, but do you guys agree that, like, in some ways, Trey Hendrickson is a loser from this draft?
1: I think long-term, yeah. Um, you know, you kind of just map out the future of this uh, of this roster. I mean, obviously, you have the the major contracts that are coming in, uh, in Joe Burrow. Uh, Jamar Chase is going to get paid. Uh, You know, it still kind of sounds like, you know, they want, they want to pay T Higgins. Uh, So, I mean, you're going to go into next year, Trey Hendrickson's going into his age 30 year next year, you know, with 17 and a half million dollars against the cap. Uh, That's, that's a lot of money. So I I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think Hendrickson, if, if Miles Murphy turns into what the Bengals want him to be. You know, if you kind of get first round production or see flashes of it, you know, and, and I'm talking something like, you know, play gets five sacks in a reserve role or, or and plays yeah. well, you know, it, things like that, you know, you where you can see building blocks. I think it's really, really difficult to, you know, to kind of envision Trey Hendrickson in Cincinnati long term, uh, you know, just because he's got this year and next year under contract with Miles Murphy on the roster now. You, you've got some, you've got some, you know, competition there. So I think that there's that, I think, you know, to kind of piggyback off this, I think another guy that you could point to is a, is a loser is Joseph O'Sai. Um, oh yeah. You know, you're that's, talking what I, about, that's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. You're, you're talking about a defensive end group where, you know, last year, Osai was kind of the guy who, you know, I mean, it's I mean, it, it, you know, people don't really remember this because of the way the game ended. But, you know, I mean, his best game of the year was that AFC championship game, uh, in my opinion. I thought, you know, he played pretty well, um, you know, so you can you can look at Osai as one of those guys who, OK, well, he was your he was your, kind of your third option there um, at, at defensive end behind Hubbard and Hendrickson. And now you've got Murphy in the mix. Uh, you know, and while I don't think Osai is necessarily gonna like ride the bench all year, you're still gonna need him. Uh, injuries are gonna happen. You're gonna need, you know, different schemes and things like that. I think Osai is uh, kind of a short-term loser, while Hendrickson might be kind of a long-term loser here.
2: Yeah, and Osai just can't stay healthy. I mean, obviously he's already battling back away from another injury. He had two injuries in that game. Uh, I think he's already back from the knee injury, but the, the torn labrum, obviously he's trying to work through. So. Um, you know, just a guy that can't stay healthy right now in the first three years of his career.
0: Yeah, and he actually uh, should mention he will not be participating in the voluntary workouts because of his injury. He said he's going to try to walk through OTAs with the hope and aim of being back uh, in training camp, but he said himself it's up to the doctors. That's just kind of his own personal timeline. So, yeah, I mean, like, he's not even really going to get as much work in this offseason uh, leading in the training camp, and you don't know how much it's going to affect him. But, I mean, those are the main two losers on the defensive line as far as like, you know, the Miles Murphy pick goes. But you can go a step further and say Cam Sample, Jeff Gunner, like those guys, Terrell Basham. I mean, that that's competition. Like that's a lot of defensive bodies that are going to be competing to be on that line. Like the same thing happened last year. They had Jeff Gunner, Khalid Kareem, Cam Sample and, you know, obviously Hubbard and Hendrickson and Kareem was hurt, he went to the practice squad, take taken from Indianapolis, like, one or two of those guys is not going to make that roster, they're going to, you know, at best, you know, be a practice squad wave to where they're just going to hope to get called up in the event of injury, so, I mean, that's going to be a lot of competition for those reserve guys who, you know, we're in a comfortable place last year, so anything but comfort this year. Um, I guess you know, looking at other losers, so you, you mentioned Nick Scotch, Dobie Busie, the defensive lineman. I mean, I'm just saying this to throw this out there. This is probably pointless, but I mean, we should mention the Bengals got not one but two cornerbacks. They get DJ Turner, they used that last seventh-round pick with DJ Ivy. That essentially guarantees that, like, Eli Apple and Trey Flowers are not coming back. Um, I I think that was already implied, to be honest, because I think if they were going to be back, they wouldn't back by now. But those two picks essentially confirm that. So if you want to go a stretch and say Eli Apple and Trey Flowers are losers, not literally speaking. Um, I would say that's the case, you know, but again, that's just a stretch kind of like the Logan Wilson pick. Um, but who, who else would you say, whether it be other positions or depth wise, who would you say also lost from this, you know, Bengals defense? Or you think that just about covers it?
1: Well, I, so we need to mention it cause we didn't do it yesterday and there's not really a way to fit it. Um, you know, Drew Chrisman, obviously I think is. That's is fair. What, that's fair. Yeah. I, I didn't know whether to kind of throw that on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Um, I mean, but the Bengals picked a punter um, whenever you draft a, a specialist, it kind of sends a message to the other specialist at that uh, that's that's on the roster. At that point, um, you, you draft a guy who you know has really good hang time. That's kind of the knot or the, you know, the thing when you talk about Robbins coming from Michigan, everybody, everybody kind of hypes up his uh, his ability to do that. You know, he didn't have a touchback last year. Um, I mean, it's pretty clear what's, what's happening here and the, and the writing is kind of on the wall for Chrisman that, you know, his time in Cincinnati is, I would say almost assuredly coming to an end. So, uh, I think, you know, Chrisman's obviously an obvious one, um, you know, obviously not as major as a, you know, I don't know, a Trey Hendrickson or a Nick Scott or something like that, but you know, you, you gotta fit him in somewhere. And I think, you know, uh, I think he was, he's pretty clearly one of the guys who, is was uh, was probably was probably not the happiest person to see a uh, a punter drafted.
0: Yeah, no, I, I was gonna say that that is fair. Like I, we didn't get to him yesterday because special teams just kind of a weird area. We we mentioned Trent Taylor punt returner Charlie Jones, but yeah, that's a big one. I mean, I don't know though. Is there any 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 chance whatsoever that Drew Chrisman just absolutely like defies expectations? and has, like, the training camp of his life and wins that competition, or is it really just a matter of him competing for the sake of competing, knowing he's not going to get it?
2: Well, I mean, they'll have a competition. I mean, any- anything could happen, and, you know, I would say they carried two punters on the practice squad last year. The increased number of players uh, you could have, it means you could have special teams players on there and not have to worry. I mean, they had a long snapper on there and uh, a punter, so I would say that their uh, possibilities for him well, you know, that way. So, I mean, I would go out and compete um, and view it as an open competition because, you know, anything can happen.
0: Anything can happen indeed. We should also say, although we're talking defense today, we mentioned uh Jake Brown or Jake Browning as a uh, winner yesterday. Maybe there's an asterisk with that because the Bengals just added Trevor Simeon after Brandon Allen left in free agency this morning to the 49ers, which that was a good move by Kyle Shanahan because what you got... Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, Sam Donald, and now Brandon Allen. With that carousel last year, I think that's a very safe move to to have. Um, but yeah, he's gone. So they bring in Trevor Simeon, who visited the team before the draft. No shocker there. Um, is Jake Browning still a winner here, or is it going to be Trevor Simeon's time to shine at up, backup?
1: Well, I, no, uh, I don't think you. I think you kind of have to revoke that status. But I, I wouldn't consider him a loser. I mean that that truly kind of sounds like you know if if punting if we're going to say that punting is is a is a true competition even if you know Robbins kind of feels like he has the inside track there uh quarterback feels like truly a uh, a competition that kind of feels like something that you know that can come down to preseason games and stuff like that so yeah i, I think that uh you know you probably have to say that Browning isn't a winner at this point uh, i mean they're probably going to bring in another quarterback arm just to kind of have a camp body there but um yeah I mean you're you're gonna have a backup uh competition for for Joe Burrow and um Jake Browning kind of sounds like he's going to be given ND any every indication or we've been given every indication excuse me that uh Jake Browning is going to have a chance to win that job so yeah, I don't know I think that it's kind of fair to say that uh you know he was hurt by the Trevor Simeon signing but you know I don't think it necessarily means he's doomed or anything like that so
2: I still think you'd need to, you'd want to keep a veteran around. I mean, just because Jake Browning wins the job, um, he still hasn't played in a game. Uh, and I think that'd be pretty scary uh, to have that as your primary backup quarterback.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'd say there's really not much there other than that. I agree with all of that. Uh, just to wrap up. So I was thinking about this yesterday because I, I don't really watch the NBA that much. I, I don't know if you guys watch it that much either. I think you've mentioned it on this pod. I, I know you do a little bit, Andrew. Mike, you don't watch NBA, do you? No. So the reason why I bring this up is because, like, there. so we're in the conference semifinals, you know, the NBA playoffs, and on the Western Conference, you have the seven-seeded Lakers and the six-seeded Warriors. Eastern Conference, you have the eight-seeded Heat, which that is still crazy to me, the eight-seeded Heat and the five-seeded Knicks, meaning all four of those teams had to have some pretty big first-round upsets to get to where they are, you know, in the semis, which makes me wonder, with that same logic, are we ever going to see? Okay, so two parts to this. So the first part: are we ever going to see a seven seed in the NFL win a wild card game? We've only had this for two years. We're going into year three with a seven seed. Is 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 it going to happen, or is it just is it kind of like the sixteen seed in the NCAA tournament where it's like, yeah, good luck?
1: Well, I was going to say, yeah, it's certainly not that. Uh, I mean, I mean, you're, the the last, I mean, we've had four seven seeds. Uh, the 2021 Eagles, uh, they were they were nine and eight and they were kind of on the rise um, and they ran into the Buccaneers. And you have they the got Steelers. crushed. They were, I think, like nine and eight or no, they they tied the Lions that year. So they yeah. were nine, seven and one. And that team was kind of a shell. And you've got the nine and eight Dolphins this year. You've got the nine and eight Seahawks this year. I don't it's going to happen because, I mean, you're going to have a team. You're going to have a seven seed you know, you're, uh, you're going to have a year where like a team gets, you know, they're 12 and five and they split the, you know, they win the two seed because of whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's going to happen. I just, uh, when you start to get kind of down, down the list of of teams, it's, it becomes a lot more difficult to to find really good quarterbacks. And, you know, in typically in these situations, you want to lean on really good quarterbacks. So, Uh, A lot of these games have been blowouts uh, in the in the two seven game. Uh, I know Miami kept it close this year, but Buffalo did kind of run out of gas towards the end of the year. So um, I I, I don't know. I think you're not you're not ever going to see parity like you see. This is typically weird for the NBA. I think a better example would be the NHL. Like every year in the NHL, there's always major upsets in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you know, you see, like the 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 best regular season team of all time just lost in the first round of the playoffs in Game Seven, and you know, while it's a huge upset, everybody kind of went, yeah, well, that's hockey. I, I, it just kind of feels like uh, you're you're never gonna have that level of parity. Um, and I think you know, it's it's gonna. You look at the years that go by. Typically, the teams that make it are, are the higher seeds. So.
2: Yeah, I I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, it's only been in place two years. Yeah, uh, two six seeds have made the Super Bowl before. Um, you know, you're going to have a situation where quarterback misses the first eight games. You know, a starter comes back, they make the playoffs, and they're the best team. Uh, you know, in the league necessarily with that guy, and that, but they just didn't have him, so they have a lower record. And I don't know that the comparison's apt with the NBA anymore because, I mean, better teams load management. I mean, your stars are resting. Uh, you know, a third of the season. So I mean, they basically say uh, the regular season doesn't matter. So you know, I don't know that 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 comparison is fair. The NFL uh, is much differently structured.
0: Does the seven seed ever make the Super Bowl? Sure. You know?
1: Yeah, sure. Why not? Maybe a team's I... quarterback. Maybe a team's quarterback gets hurt midway through the year, and they finish the stretch seven and one, and then they make it as a nine and eight record, and they go to the Super Bowl. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Why not? I mean, who loves? Yeah, I mean, I mean love yeah, it's hard to know with 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 kind of without specifics there, but.
0: I love parody. I hope you guys do. Well, anyways, that is all the time we have for today. That rounds out our NFL Draft recap. Uh, Stay with us. Tomorrow we're going to do a sort of reset, if you will, of the depth chart and look at the biggest storylines going into the rest of uh, voluntary workouts before OTAs and the rest of the offseason. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you on...